Today we uh, start a new message series called Arrows Living Towards the Target. And we're going to talk a bit about how to parent towards the target. But hey, there is good stuff uh, for all of us, whether you're currently a parent or not. While this series is on parenting, it's not just parenting, really. We're just talking about living towards the target that really all of us need to do. And I'm just excited to be focusing on the family, this, this area of our lives that, that has the potential to lead to great significance, to great pleasure, and if not harnessed correctly, to great pain. And in this uh, time, I'm believing that God will build up lives, build up relationships, and build up and repair those broken parts of our lives and relationships. And I just really want to call us as a church family to focus on and fight for what matters most in so many of our lives. So we're going to spend five weeks in this series, and if for some reason you can't be here to catch a message, would you grab it online and, and just keep in the flow of this series? I think this is an important series. I, I should let you know, I'm going to dig into some sensitive issues, issues like child mental health and mental health in general, issues like identity and sexuality and how we navigate in a culture that separates your physical sex from your gender and teaches your kid to do that from the first grade, you know, just, just simple stuff like that. And for today's message, let me just acknowledge two preachers uh, who are a bit of an influence on it. One is Levi Lusco from Fresh Life Church that's centered in Cowsbell, Montana. The other guy, uh, you'll hear, have heard of him a little more, and that's Andy Stanley from North Point. That's Andy Stanley of uh, uh, Starting Point fame. And Andy and his wife, Sandra, they have a book coming out in two days called Parenting, Getting It Right. I expect that it will be a worthwhile read. Amazon has already put it in the mail for me so that I'll get it right on the 17th. Aren't they amazing? Anyways, the anchor for this series is a, a psalm written not by David, but by his son Solomon. This is one of two psalms that he wrote. He also wrote the book of Proverbs and the Song of Songs, which is kind of the uh, sex book of the Bible. But what you need to know is that the writers of the Bible tell us that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. So, yeah, he's worth listening to. So let me read for you Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go uh, late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives his beloved sleep. Yeah, there, that's awesome, eh? God gives his beloved sleep. Anyways, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of a womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And the key verse for this series is verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. But also, I wanted you to see the context for this verse. It is the Lord who builds the house. It is the Lord who uses you and me to raise up children. Without God, what we do is in vain. And then we see in this psalm that God calls our children arrows. 
And God's plan is for these arrows, these children, is that they uh, be raised by the hands of a skilled warrior, archer, or bowman who shoots or launches those arrows towards a God-given tar target. God has a target that he has for us to aim for in the raising of our kids. I also want you to see that parenting is described using warfare language. And in today's world, I think we need to recover the language of warfare as we think about raising our kids. And then that the kids we are raising are arrows so that they are weapons of this war. I hope you'll grasp the positive significance of this warfare vocabulary. Solomon, under the inspiring hand of God, chose this language very carefully and intentionally. Parenting is warfare and we are raising weapons for this war. We'll talk about that more as the series goes on, but your child is an arrow with powerful potential. And what that means, by the way, is that from God's perspective, every Christian home becomes kind of an archery range, developing the powerful potential of our kids. Okay, now that every home's an archery range, the question is, what's our bullseye? Uh, let, me, let that question just hang there for a moment. Keep it in the back of your mind, and we'll get to it. What's our bullseye? Now Solomon says, happy, blessed, amply blessed, really happy. That's how you translate the word happy or blessed uh, from the Hebrew in this passage. Blessed is the family with a quiver full of arrows, full of kids. In other words, kids are not a burden. In other words, whether the pregnancy was planned or not, that arrow is a huge blessing, a gift from God to you. When Jane and I got married, uh, I'm sure it wasn't that long ago, but apparently it is. Um, for us, life did not change that radically when we got married. Sure, we moved in together, that was a change, and we combined our incomes, and that was a change, and life before kids just became more affordable that way, and life just became so much more convenient. But when we had our first kid, our wonderful daughter, Megan, life radically changed. Life totally changed. Having your first kid is huge. It's, much a, it's a much bigger change than getting married, much bigger. And nobody really tells you how to do it. Now, Jane knew a lot more than I did, but neither of us had ever done anything like this uh, before being a parent thing. We were camp counselors, uh, but yeah, no comparison. When we brought Megan home on that first night, all she did was cry. And we had no clue why or what to do. We tried this, we tried that. Well, Mostly Jane tried this and that. And by the end of the night, Jane stumbled onto the fix. Megan was cold. She needed more blankets than she'd be given. Uh, the second night was much easier, although Jane tells me it was much easier for me because I slept through it. But anyways, nobody told us what the appropriate number of blankets that are required for a newborn. Megan, I apologize if, if we permanently damaged you from that first night. I mean... Are, are mistakes ever a permanent part of a child's life? You ever ask that? Uh, we did. Maybe still do. I, I mean, parenting gets real crazy. You used to be go, to go out whenever you wanted. Now it's go out. But yeah, maybe like who can we call to watch the kids so that we can go out? You know, it's like a military invasion having a baby. If we pay the babysitter, can we afford to eat? Dinner out is now at McDonald's while a babysitter is having filet mignon, what we just paid. Or how about bringing the kid with you? Yeah, 
When you have kids, eating out at restaurants can go real bad real quick. You know what I mean. Then there's this thing called bedtime. It's nuts. You tell your kids, it's time to go to bed. And the way they react, you think you just said, I am going to chop your head off. Bedtime. No! Kids act like they've never heard of the idea or that it is some form of parental abuse, right? Bath time, brushing of teeth, pajamas. Eventually, someone ends up naked, running through the house screaming, drawing on the walls. You know what I mean. Try and travel on an airplane with your kids. Forget about it. I mean, your pre-flight checklist becomes Cheerios, pacifiers, diapers. You get the idea. And if your kid screams on the plane, everyone else on the plane hates you intensely, right? Personally, I, I really like junior high kids. I have always have their, their energy, and they have one foot still in childhood, and they think they have a foot in, in adults. They think they're adults. Anyways, it's a fun time. But when I tell a junior high parent I love junior high kids, this is what I get. Duh, you don't have a clue. My kid is in grade seven. That's where hell starts. My kids are just disrespectful hellions. And gently, and sometimes not so gently, I push back and say, with all due respect, you have no idea what you're talking about. That junior high kid who you only see is bristling against you, where you only see problems, only drama, that little junior higher is a child of God, a son or a daughter who's been made in the image of God, who's been entrusted into your care. They are full of potential blessing. If you would just put some faith on, come on. And then they say to me, Doug, well, how about I give them to you? So, parenting can just uh, be downright crazy. Daily, we're reminded that we're not doing it right. And what is right? Are we hitting the target? It's really a terrifying question. And what is it that you want to get right? So Solomon used arrows as a picture for children. Now, while I took up archery in my camp days, I've, I've not gone deep into archery or archery hunting Getting a clean shot at a deer with a rifle is still an ample challenge for me. Sadly, I've not graduated into archery hunting. I'm open, just haven't gone there. But yes, there are guys on my street, and they are big into archery hunting. One guy has set up this target in his garage, and he practices continually shooting from the sidewalk down his driveway into his garage, and nobody complains. I mean, this is Fort McMurray, after all. Another guy has an archery range set up in the Birchwood Trails. I guess folk are okay with it because he sets it up every year. It's on one of my walking routes, and I go only in Fort McMurray, but I kind of like that. But, but here's what I've learned from archery hunters about arrows. Each arrow has the same purpose, to hit the target. Whatever the target is, whether it's a paper target or an animal, but the purpose is to hit the target. Now, if you want to go out and uh, buy some arrows for yourself, you will discover that there are hundreds of different kinds of arrows. Each one is slightly different, made of different materials like wood, aluminum, carbon, carbon aluminum, fiberglass. They can be shaped a little differently. Some are straight, some are tapered, some are reverse tapered, some are barrel tapered. Then there are different styles of arrowheads. And the fletchings can be made of plastic or from feathers. Fletchings make arrows fly straight with or without spinning. So just like uh, with arrows, there are all sorts of different kids. The arrows in your quiver are different than the arrows in my quiver, 
And within each of our own quivers, our kids have different temperaments, personalities. Each is unique. Some are standoffish. Some just warm right up. Some are the life of the party, and some are shy. Some will grow up to be lawyers or teachers. Some will grow up to be heavy haul truckers or welders. Some will have a passion for sports, others for the arts, others for both. Uh, some will be rough and tumble, and others will be more gentle. Some will sell cosmetics or produce or act in movies. Uh, some might even grow up to preach sermons. Every arrow is different. And let's agree. Not every arrow should be the same. Not every arrow should grow at the same pace. Some don't walk right away. Some start walking and creating trouble way, way too early. Yeah, there are different kinds of arrows made by God, and they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why should you be more like your sister? No, because she's a different kind of arrow. Lots of different kinds of arrows. That's a good thing. It's a God thing. So different arrows, but only one target. Lots of arrows, but not lots of targets. The purpose of every arrow, regardless of what it's like and its differences, at the end of the day, it's meant to achieve the same thing to hit the bullseye, to go to where you aim for it to go, to shoot the target. So that brings us to the question, what's at the center of the target? What's the bullseye? What should we be aiming for as we approach all these different arrows? Let's let Jesus define this for us, okay? Really, I think the best definition of the target for us is, is what Jesus gave us. Matthew records Jesus saying it this way, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the highest, most important priority in approaching parenting. We have a whole bunch of different arrows, but one target. These arrows, it's that these arrows would all know Jesus and make God's kingdom and God's values their priority. We must lead our kids to Jesus. We must win their hearts. The target is that our kids would know Jesus, trust Jesus, and their lives would gravitate around making a difference for Jesus, that they would become kingdom warriors for Jesus. Again, the target is kids who know Jesus deeply and personally, who, who grow up to live and love like Jesus, who grow up to live on mission for Jesus, they are kingdom warriors for the mission of Jesus. They make a difference in this world, living and loving like Jesus. So is the target clear? It's kids who seek Jesus and his kingdom first over everything else, whose lives are defined by kingdom values, by righteousness. And these kids, as they center their lives on Jesus, that's how they gain everything else they need in their lives so that they can flourish now and forever. It's Jesus first and then everything else follows. But here's where the arrow illustration breaks down a little bit, and, and that's okay. You see, the challenge is, is that these little arrows of ours, they have free will. They must choose Jesus for themselves. We can't do it for them. We don't control every aspect of their lives. We don't control the flight the arrow ultimately takes. We just send it off in the right direction. We do all that we can as well-trained warriors ourselves to shoot the arrow to the target. But our arrow gets to decide to land there or not. And by the end of the day, it's their choice, not ours. 
Our job is to create that environment that allows our kids to develop a passionate interest in the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's why a strong commitment to your local church is so important, because your kids need to see other kids experiencing the kingdom and experiencing God and doing it together. Your kids also need other loving adults teaching them about Jesus. Your kids need to know that Jesus and his house of worship is, is more important than hockey, school, the arts, music, which are all wonderful things. But friends, the target is to seek Jesus and his kingdom first and then everything else. And quite frankly, you yourself need other Christian adults to partner with you to help you aim straight. Again, our job is to create the environment that allows our kids to develop a passionate interest in the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so at this point, I, I want to shift gears a bit and talk to you about what I think is maybe one of the most important parts of that environment that you and I need to be creating for our kids so that they freely seek Jesus. The most important part of that environment is a safe, loving, till death do us part relationship with your kids. Anne Stanley describes the environment in this way. I hadn't quite thought of it this way before, but he nails it. He says we need to raise kids who enjoy being with us and each other when they no longer have to be. If it was good for the relationship, it was good. If not, it was not good. And catch that phrase, when they no longer have to be. The relationships built were so strong that when their kids are on their own, they yearn to keep those relationships going. To use our archery analogy, which Andy does not use, but I will. To use our archery an analogy, you, the parents, have to have a properly strung bow to launch your little arrows from. That properly strong bow is your relationship with your children and their relationship with each other. The goal is Jesus. The way to get there is relationship. And the standard for the relationship is, if it's good for the relationship, it is good. If not, it is not good. You might want to write that down. I think it can profoundly change the way parenting is approached in Christian homes. Years ago, a friend of mine, well, actually, at one point, he was a boss of mine by the name of Don Pesersky, who worked for uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and later World Vision. He did uh, research on how youth were uh, responding to parents in the Canadian home. His work was published and well-known back in the day. What he discovered is that kids raised in fundamentalist, legalistic, rules-based Christian homes scored the unhappiest in their relationship with their parents. These parents thought that seek first the kingdom of God meant obeying a long list of do's and don'ts and doing all they could in their power to make sure that their kids complied with the rules. It, it simply created a generation of miserable religious kids. In the middle of this parental enjoyment index were kids of no religion, no faith. They scored that they liked their parents, they liked their home environments. They were okay, maybe not great, but they were okay. But surprisingly, the kids in Canada who had the best relationship with their parents were also church-going kids. But these homes prioritized relationship over legalism, relationships over rule-keeping. God was still in the center. Rules still existed. They wanted their kids to know and follow God, but they prioritized relationship. These were families that genuinely enjoyed and looked forward to being together. They were, they were genuinely more drama-free and tension-free. 
Friends, this is what we want in our families. We've got to measure what's happening in our homes this way. If it's good for the relationship, it is good. If not, it is not good. And I don't think I need to explain what that all means. I think you're all smart enough to figure out what is truly good for a relationship. Because if it's good for the relationship, then the doors stay open as you aim your kids towards Jesus and his kingdom and righteousness. I mean, relationship is the environment that we pass Jesus on to the next generation. Hey, how does the second half of the great commandment Jesus gave us go? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that command to love others starts in the home. And the question I have to ask is, am I loving my kids with the grace and understanding with which Jesus loves me? Am I loving like Jesus? Let me help you grasp just how important radically loving, a radically loving relationship with your children really is. Where you say, if it's good for the relationship, it is good. If it's not, it's not. So the way God desires to reveal himself to your children is through your relationship with him. Your little arrow your child is either going to get an accurate picture of a loving Heavenly Father with ease because of you, or it will be with great difficulty they will get there in spite of you. This is a weighty thought. This is something we should tremble thinking about, that I represent God to my kids, that the quality of my relationship with my children impacts how my children understand the idea that God really loves them. This is why our relationship with Jesus is so important. That you have a loving, grace-filled, life-changing relationship with God, full of the Holy Spirit, where the supernatural love of God just flows through you to others, flows to your spouse, flows to your kids. It works like this. These are Paul's words. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is is eternal. We, we keep our eyes on Jesus and, and not on the problems and the mess and the craziness that's all around and, and that family can become. We fix our eyes on the love of God, his grace, his mercy, and we just let it flow through us to our kids. If you see parenting as burdensome, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you look at your kids with faith instead of just seeing problems, you will see the eternal impact that's possible. Fix your eyes on Jesus, and you will not see the problems that are here now. They're just temporary. Sure, they're here, and they feel like they'll last forever. Like potty training seems like an unending deal, right? But at the end of the day, it's, it's over pretty quick. And we have a living illustration of parenting right here. There are right? But back to the diapers. They're out of them real quick, seriously. Hey, every empty nester looks with fondness on those days. Those days that were full of drudgery when you were going through them, but there's going to come a day when they won't let you snuggle quite the same way. So friends, don't miss the beauty of the mess. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you will see the blessing that is all around you. It, it just looks like a problem right now, but comparatively over time, it's not. Andy Stanley says to wait until your kids have left home and have started out on their own before you gauge the success of your parenting. Is the relationship of your kids with you still strong and their relationship with each other? 
Uh, do the kids look forward to spending time with you? Do they look forward to spending time with each other? Because relationship is the environment Jesus uses to draw kids to himself and to draw us all to himself. So don't grade your, parent, your parenting when your kids are 13 or 18. Wait till maybe 23 or so. So if you choose to parent your children with relationship in mind, you will parent your kids right out of your house, and the good news is off of your payroll, and you will parent your kids to healthy independence where they have seen you model Jesus to them and tell them about Jesus. Yes, the goal is that they will know Jesus deeply, intimately, personally. The goal is that they would be difference makers for Jesus, kingdom warriors on mission for Jesus. But the bow has to be strung with loving relationship where if it doesn't work for the relationship, it doesn't work. The target is Jesus. But you need a bow well strung with loving relationship for you to aim with precision. So I'd like to uh, pray for those of you who are parents that God would bless you in your parenting. And I want to pray for all of us that we would play a role in rightly directing the little arrows in our church to Jesus. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you who model loving, giving relationship at the core of who you are, fill us with your love so that we can string the bow with love. And then give us the wisdom to do all that we can in relationally strong ways to aim our little arrows to Jesus. Raise up our children to become strong warriors, making a beautiful difference for you. And maybe you'd make a commitment right now. Uh, just say, today I commit to doing all I can do to point these arrows in the right direction. Would you just make that commitment to Jesus and ask him to empower you to do that? And God, would you shape all of us here with your love, that we would love one another as we love ourselves and use us together as a church family to raise up the next generation for the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.